This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, so we'll now be moving into a time of scripture reading. And as Christians, we believe that uh, the Bible is the living word of God. And it's how God speaks to us and how God edifies us. So let us pay attention as we listen to the very living word of God. So from Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God. I will now invite Pastor Andrew to give the talk. I'll figure out in a second. Um, let's go to God in prayer first. Uh, dear Father, as we come before you today, we really pray that you may truly help us to understand the significance and the meaning of what we celebrate in Christmas. We pray that uh, indeed you speak powerfully into our hearts and our minds so that we may know what Christmas really means. And we pray for all these things in the Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, great. Okay, do you know who this person is? Okay, uh, this person is uh, this guy called Michael Phelps. Now, Michael Phelps is a, a sporting legend. Okay, he's like the most successful Olympic athlete in history. Just to give you an idea of just how successful Michael Phelps is and how much you know, more uh, successful he is than anybody else, uh, he's won 28 Olympic medals, of which 23 were gold. Now, the person who is after him has actually only won nine goals. So this shows you just how far ahead Michael Phelps is in terms of how successful he is as an Olympic athlete. Can you imagine? It's like just winning one Olympic goal is a big deal already. Here is a guy who's won 23 Olympic gold swimming medals. Now Michael Phelps is a nice guy. I've always been a fan of Michael Phelps. Here he is with our own Olympic uh, swimming champion, Joseph Schooling, when he was a boy and when he became successful. And so it was, to me, quite a surprise when I heard that actually Michael Phelps uh, struggles with finding purpose and meaning and value in his life. Uh, he shared in an interview about how even while he was swimming at his most successful, he was struggling with purpose in life. He was struggling with meaning in life. He felt that life was not worth living. Now, 
that really begs the question, right? I mean, if, if Michael Phelps, right, this legend who appears in like the cover of Sports Illustrated, who's won all these Olympic uh, medals, if he struggles to find purpose in life, instead of finding life purposeful, he finds it purposeless, instead of finding it meaningful, he finds it meaningless, how much more for ourselves, right? What makes life worth living? What gives purpose to our lives? So today, we're here on Christmas morning. Now, we don't usually associate Christmas with these big questions like the meaning of life, the purpose of life, finding what makes life worth living. And I think it's really true because in many ways, Christmas in the world that we live in today is meaningless. So Santa Claus, that's meaningless, right? Songs about snow and reindeer, that's meaningless too. Christmas consumerism, also meaningless. But today, what I really want to say to you is Christmas with Christ actually gives us meaning to life. Christmas with Christ gives us meaning in life. So today, we're going to be turning to God's Word, and we believe God speaks powerfully to us through His Word. And we're going to be looking at just a few verses from this book in the Bible called the book of Philippians. And it begins in verse 5 by saying, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not grasp equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. First thing we notice here is who Jesus is before his birth that we celebrate in Christmas. In his very nature, in his very core, in his very reality, he is fully God. And so Jesus in his being, in his past, in his present, in his future, in his very possession is the reality of divinity, of Godness. His glory, his identity, his nature, his power is all God. But look at what Jesus does in verse 6 onwards. Right? In verse 6 onwards it says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And here we see the uniqueness of what Christmas celebrates. Right, The very uniqueness of Christmas is that Jesus, who in very nature is God, does not use his Godness to grasp for advantage to seize it in a selfish way, in an ambitious way. But rather, he gives of himself. He empties himself, it means, taking on the very nature of a servant, becoming a human being. A story is told by my father, a true story apparently, about how there's a group of him and his friends who went to America on a trip. And then they were at the airport and they were waiting to fly and on the plane, before they got on the plane, uh, they realized that, uh, that, you know, they only got economy seats. And so one of the people on the, on the party was a very rich and powerful man, a significant person, and he wanted to be upgraded. And so, you know, everybody was waiting in queue, and so this uh, rich man was berating the plane ticketing agent and saying, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am, right? Do you, do you know who I am? And so, this being America, right, 
this lady who was the plane ticketing agent, looked at him for a moment, and then, you know, she took the microphone. You know, you know, in, you know in America, they have these microphones which have the PA system, right? So she picked up the mic and she very quietly spoke into the mic and says, you know, can someone please step forward to help this man? He seems to have a problem. He doesn't know who he is. Right? And so we have here a real-life example of the reality of how in the world that we live in, the natural reality is for people who are powerful and significant to seize, right, to seize power for their own advantage, sorry, power for their own advantage. But Jesus, by his very nature, is much, much, much greater than this rich man, isn't he? But he doesn't use his power to grasp for advantage. But instead, it says in this passage, that he, instead of grasping, he gives of himself. He empties himself. He makes himself nothing. He becomes a servant and he makes himself human. The passage actually shows us that God comes into our world, our existence, our history to reveal himself to us. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. Christmas is a celebration of Jesus, who is God, emptying himself to become human, becoming a servant, giving of himself. Now, over the years, I've read many books. I've read books by atheists. I've heard talks by atheists. I've read articles by atheists trying to disprove the Christian God. Some do so respectfully. Some do so rudely. But one thing I noticed is this common thread in which they try to disprove God by using science. So they will try to use the science of evolution to disprove the existence of a Christian God. They'll try to use the science of cosmology to disprove the existence of a Christian God. But in many ways, I think the atheists are barking up the wrong tree. Because what we have read today in the book of the Bible, in the book of Philippians, is... The Bible doesn't use science to prove the existence of God. The Bible uses history to prove the existence of God. Specifically, it proves the existence of God in the coming of Jesus into our world in history. So one thing is very clear, right? The Bible is not a science book. The Bible is a history book. And particularly, it focuses on the history of this person, Jesus Christ. And that's what makes Christmas so important to us for Christians, right? Because we recognize that Christmas celebrates the coming of God into our world. Now, because we, we recognize Jesus coming into our world, because we recognize the existence of God through Jesus, it transforms the way we view life. I remember I was an agnostic for many, many years. I only became a Christian when I was 21. But after I became a Christian, the way I looked at life, my whole perspective on life changed. Like, it's almost like wearing new glasses, right? Everything looks richer, everything looks sharper, everything looks brighter. But more than that, knowing that God existed because Jesus came into this world 
gave me meaning in life. So many years ago, um, I went to Australia with uh, my wife to visit my wife's good friend, and they live in a really, really beautiful part of Australia. Uh, it's called Blackheath, and it's uh, in uh, the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. So if you've ever been there, it's really nice. So this is some of the pictures from Blackheath in New South Wales. So you can see, right, you know, it's, it's a really beautiful place. And so the husband of my wife's good friend brought me canoeing to this lake. And we canoed in the afternoon. And uh, it was a really beautiful day. I mean, it's one of those days which, you know, it's like special. Uh. And so the sun was setting over the lake. And I was telling uh, the husband of my wife's good friend, that, you know, when I see this sunset, it fills me with uh, joy. It fills me with wonder. Because I have such a great, deep sense of gratitude that God has made this wonderful world that we live in, right? That we can enjoy this, you know, this, this lake, the breeze coming across the lake, the sun setting over this wonderful scenery. But then the husband of uh, my wife's good friend said to me, uh, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. See, the husband was actually a very strong, strong atheist, and he was very logical, right? He was a very logical person. And what he said to me was, he said, I don't feel anything. Because I just recognize that it's a cosmic chance that, you know, we happen to be in this planet Earth, and we're revolving around this star called the sun, and it's just a random accident, you know, that we can enjoy this beautiful world, and this sunset. And you know, the colors that you see, the colors that you enjoy, uh, these are just like electrical impulses which are, you know, going from my eye to my brain. And he confessed to me, he said, you know, uh, he just had uh, two young boys come into his family, and he said, you know, I don't really understand as well the warmth and, I, and love that I feel uh, to my children. You know, I don't know where it comes from. You know, I can't explain it because I can't scientifically validate this love and warmth that I feel when I take my children in my arms. But as a Christian, I can understand this love that a parent feels for their child. I can understand the love that he felt for his two boys. It's the love that God showed us when he sent his only son, Jesus, to humble himself, to empty himself, to become a servant and become a man. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Because the recognition that there is a God, and this God comes into this world in the person of Jesus, gives us meaning. It changes our whole perspective on the way that we view life. Now the passage then goes on, and it says in verse 8, right, verse 8 down here, it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, what I want us to see here is there's actually a progression of thought. There's a, there's a development of thought. There's a movement in the thought. What it says here 
is that Jesus, who was in very nature God already, showed us extreme service and humility in becoming a man. Right? Imagine, imagine what it would have taken for Jesus as God to empty himself, to give of himself, to serve us, to become a human being. But the Bible says that Jesus goes beyond that. He humbles himself and becomes obedient to death. But that is not all. He gives himself death on the cross. Now, crucifixion was the most painful and humiliating death imaginable. But God who was pre-existent, God who was divine, God in Jesus chose not just to become a man, which we celebrate Christmas, but to die, and to die the most gruesome, painful, and humiliating death possible for us. Now this is so, so important for us as Christians because it shows us that we have value. We have value. How do we know that we have value? Because Jesus, the God who dies for me, teaches me that my life has value beyond what I do, how I look, how much I earn, what I wear, what car I drive, or even what the world thinks of me. You know, I remember hearing uh, from this uh, guy who shared about how he really struggled under his parents' expectations. Uh, he studied really hard in school. Uh, he went on to become a doctor. Uh, okay, I'm not talking about my son here, right? Okay. But he really, really struggled with his self-esteem. He really struggled with his self-confidence because he kept trying to seek value in, and, and validation in his marks and how well he did at school and what he did as a job and what he did at university. And he shared that actually after he became a Christian, he felt liberated. He felt really free because he was no longer under the chains of expectations. He said, how valuable am I? What am I worth? What is my value? I'm worth Jesus, who is God, dying for me. How valuable am I? God values me. And, and how high does God value me? God values me so highly that he sent his only son to die for me. Now, the world really needs to hear this. We really need to hear this about how valuable we are because Jesus has come into this world to die, even die on a cross for us. Now, over the last few years, it's, you know, I always find it really sad when I hear about people who have committed suicide. Uh, I've gone to some funerals of people who have committed suicide. I've read books about people who are survivors of people they know who have committed suicide. I've read articles about people who have committed suicide. Now, one common denominator that I found in my own experience, in my reading, in my attending these funerals and reading these articles, is that many of these people who take their own lives feel that their lives 
are not worth living. They feel that their lives are not worth living. They don't feel like their life has any value. Often, it's because they failed in something. They, 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 they failed in their studies. Maybe they've dropped out of some study which they thought was really important to them. Maybe they failed the job, their dream job. Maybe they have failed in something which has always been their dream or their aspiration. And so they feel like life is not worth living. They feel worthless. And really, often it's made worse through social media, right? Uh, Because in social media now, basically, the social media is telling you that your worth, your value, is based on how people perceive you. Are you skinny enough? Are you good-looking enough? Do you have the right body shape? How many people like you? How many friends do you have? Are the things that you post uh, liked by other people? These are all lies, right? These are all really vicious lies. Because your value doesn't lie in how many people like your posts or what society thinks of how your body appearance is or how successful you are in that way. Your value lies because of how God values you. And God values you so much that He sent Jesus to become a human being. But more than that, He went even beyond that to die for you, even death on a cross. And so, knowing Jesus, knowing who Jesus is and what He's done for you, gives you meaning and gives you, as well, value in your very own life. Okay, so I'll just keep scrolling through these things. The passage then goes on and says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now to the modern person, we naturally recoil to the idea that we bow the knee before anybody, right? I mean, it's repulsive and revolting that that we should bend the knee or bow the knee before anyone. But what the Bible says here is that because of who Jesus is, in the very nature of God, because He's what He's done for us, it is not only the right response to bow the knee before Jesus, but it is the reasonable response to bow before Jesus. Because Jesus is not some dictator Jesus is not some tyrant. Jesus is not some slave master. In coming as a man, in dying for us and serving us, He's loving, sacrificial, and humble. So in a sense, we should gladly bow the knee before Jesus. It is a reasonable thing to do. Because in reality, actually, as much as we claim to be modern people who, you know, are free and bow to no one. We bow to things all the time. I mean, Michael Phelps bowed to the Olympics, right? We may bow to money, we may bow to careers, we bow to uh, a whole host of things. But these are all false idols, right? False gods. If we are to bow to 
the need to anything, we should bow to the true God. We should bow to Jesus. Because He loves us, He serves us, and is humble before us and dies for us. Now I want to welcome you today to Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Okay, so we're Presbyterians. And one of the things as Presbyterians that we subscribe to is the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's actually written in our constitution that we follow the Westminster Confession of Faith. Now within the Westminster Confession of Faith, there's this thing called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's basically like an instruction manual where there's a question and an answer, a question and answer, question and answer sort of thing. The very first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? What is the chief purpose of man? What is the primary person of purpose of a, a living person? And the response is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now that's really surprising, right? I want you to pay attention to what's written here, right? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Because what the Westminster Catechism is actually saying, when we glorify God, we are not under some slave master or, or tyrant or dictator who's bent on frightening us and, and, and enslaving us and making life a misery, right? But rather glorifying God and coming under His loving rule means enjoying Him, enjoying His love, enjoying His watching over us. So we began by saying today, what gives meaning to life? What gives meaning to life? Now, it is right to ask this question. It is good to ask this question. We should affirm the desire to want to find the answer to this question because it is a good question. What gives your life meaning? What gives your life purpose? Why is your life valuable? Now, the problem is in the world, we, we kind of like go about it the wrong way. So this is a very famous scientist called Carl Sagan, and he writes, if we crave some cosmic purpose, uh, let us find ourselves a worthy goal. Here's another person who's the father of modern positive thinking. And what he says is this, people who say that life is not worthwhile are really saying that they themselves have no personal goals which are worthwhile. Prescription, get yourself a goal worth working for. Better still, get yourself a project. Decide what you want out of a situation. Always have something ahead of you to look forward to, to work for, and to hope for. But the problem is, in the world that we live in, there is no project, there is no purpose which is weighty enough, significant enough to give us meaning in life. See, if Michael Phelps feels purposeless and meaningless pursuing his 28 Olympic medals, 23 Olympic gold medals, then in a sense, there is no purpose or significance or meaning in this life that is great enough to fulfill us. I always remember, uh, I like what, uh, you know, reading Charlie Brown comics, and so there's this really famous comic which you can see uh, in various places. So, uh, Linus here is uh, making a sandcastle at the beach, right? And he's making 
a majestic, wonderful sandcastle. It, it is a real beauty, right? But then, it starts to drizzle. And then in the other pane of the comic, it starts to really, really come down. Until, at the very end, it's a huge downpour, and his really beautiful sandcastle, this majestic project of a sandcastle that he's been making, just is like nothing, right? It becomes slush. And so Linus says to himself, there's a lesson to be learned here somewhere, but I don't know what it is. And like, if you've ever read any Charlie Brown comics, you know, some of his comics are really deep and profound, right? And so what Charlie Brown is really saying here is like, all our purpose, all our meaning, all the value that we seek to find in this world is at the end of the day, nothing, you know, it becomes like sandcastles in the rain, right? It's just washed away like sandcastles in the rain because all of these things which we seek to find purpose in the world do not give us enough significance or enough meaning to really make them worthwhile at the end of the day. Now, as we come back to Michael Phelps and uh, how I shared at the very beginning how he struggled with finding meaning and purpose and, and, and making life worth living in spite of all his success in the swimming pool, he actually found purpose and meaning at the very end. And so if you look at the interview that uh, he had of ESPN, he actually said in an ESPN special, Phelps said reading the book turned me into believing that there is a power greater than myself and there is a purpose for me on this planet and help me when I was in a place that I needed the most help. Christianity Today wrote, the book's message that life isn't about you but about finding God and your life purpose in Him. And I think that's exactly right. Because what we see here is Michael Phelps recognized that it wasn't enough for him to, to be winning all these Olympic medals. It wasn't enough for him to be winning even Olympic gold medals. For him, there had to be a greater purpose beyond himself, greater than himself. It was about finding God and finding life's purpose in God. So today, as we come on Christmas Day, it's so easy to be caught up with all the things of Christmas without seeing the real significance of how important Christmas really is in the things that we celebrate. If we have Christmas with Christ, then there is meaning because God exists. We know that God exists because Jesus came into the world. There is value because Jesus died for me on the cross. That's how much I'm worth. There is purpose because my purpose is beyond this world, beyond this life. I bow the knee to Jesus and glorify God. And so as we come to Christmas, there's so many things that we can do in Christmas. There's so many things that Christmas means to people. For some people, it means presents. For other people, it means shopping. For some people, it means uh, the Christmas meal, right? That's a really big deal, eating the turkey and all that stuff. Some people, it's the Christmas tree, and so all these things buy to take our attention. But at the end of the day, Christmas is fundamentally at its core 
about Jesus coming into the world as our Savior. And if we have Christmas without Christ, then really it is meaningless. But if we have Christmas with Christ, then there is meaning. But there isn't just meaning for today. If we have Christmas with Christ, then there is meaning for life. Not just this life, but for eternity. Because as we remember Christmas with Christ, we remember the man, Jesus, who comes into this world. We remember him dying for us. We remember him dying on the cross. And ultimately, that gives us meaning for life. So what would I like to invite you to do? Well, today, as you hear of Jesus, there is an invitation in God's Word that invites you to accept Jesus, the God who has become a human, a mortal, to meet of us and has died for us. If you'd like to find out more, in our church, we're going to be having these Life Explored classes coming in January. So I'd like to invite you to sign up for these courses and the details are going to be coming up further in our service today. So I'm not going to invite you to, once again to uh, go to God with me and to ask God to help you and me to really understand the significance of Christmas and Jesus Christ. So let's go to God in prayer. Uh, dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we really ask that you may truly help us to understand the significance of Christmas. Dear Father, we pray that you may help us to see that without Jesus Christ, Christmas is meaningless. Because Christmas is about celebrating Jesus, your Son, who is fully God, in His very core of His nature, divine. Seeking to not grasp the significance of the power and the glory of who He is, but rather He's emptied Himself and chosen to become our servant, to become a man. But more than that, He went on to die for us, even to die on the cross for us. And that gives us so much value because we recognize that our lives have intrinsic value apart from who we are, what we have done, how successful we are and the things that we own. The value comes from Jesus, who is God, dying for us. It also gives us a purpose, for we now live to bow the knee before Jesus and to glorify you in the things that we do. And so we pray this Christmas that our lives will be filled with meaning and purpose and value, not because of what we do, but because of what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so thank you, Pastor Andrew, and thank you, everyone, for bearing with the delay. Uh, we'll now be spending some time to discuss the following questions. So uh, due to COVID regulations, you're encouraged, actually, we, we must uh, discuss only in our groups of five. So please refrain from, you know, uh, turning around and intermingling and speaking across rows. So uh, we'll be looking at these two questions. Uh, one, what gives you meaning, purpose, and value in your life? And two, how does the coming of Jesus and his death for you bring meaning, purpose, and value 
in your life. Uh, for those who are, are on Zoom, we'll be putting you into your breakout rooms now. So I'll call us all back in five minutes. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.